0: Hey everybody, it's Tommy Canale and welcome back to Before the Lights Podcast. The show that tells you how they made their mark. A songwriter, producer, and award-winning composer for television and film. His music has been used for video games, promos, scores, along with film and TV. He worked on the production and sound development for Rapper NF, originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and now a resident of Nashville, Tennessee. He has worked with major networks such as Fox, VH1, ESPN, and let me tell you people, a whole slew of others. Please welcome to the show, Tommy Prophet. Tommy, how are you, my man?
1: Good, man. How are you?
0: I'm well. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Is your first memory of music at age seven when you received a keyboard for Christmas or is it even before then?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that's my first memory. You've you've obviously looked that up somewhere. <laughs> I, I actually I actually uh, had no prior interest to music until my parents bought me that keyboard when I was seven, and I think they were just like, "Oh, it's a no- it's a toy that makes noise. You put batteries in it. Kids love toys that make noise." And then all of a sudden, they were like, "Whoa he he is like." nonstop playing on that thing and they couldn't get me off of it so 30 years later and I'm still pounding on the piano you know
0: how then if you had no interest in music and then you get that kind of explain to my listeners how your love of music then has grown and evolved
1: yeah I mean I, mean, I think I was just mesmerized by it I don't think I even knew about pianos probably hmm. before that, you know, I might've seen like an old sure. dusty piano in my grandma's house and you weren't allowed to touch it. You know, <laughs> right. that makes sense. Why well, have a piano if you couldn't touch it? But uh, yeah, I like, I was like, Whoa, I'm allowed to touch this one. I can play this one. And I think as I was like figuring out how just notes and intervals worked, and I would, I would listen to songs I heard on TV and stuff and try to plunk them out and figure them out by ear, you know? And I just became, enamored by that because then I realized, whoa, I could, I could like make my own songs. And I probably played thousands of songs for my parents every day. Like, mom, listen, mom, watch, mom, watch. (laughs) And, uh, and now my eight-year-old son does the same thing to me. So
0: (laughs) how young were you when you started producing your own music? At what age do you remember?
1: Um, I probably started like recording when I was 11 or 12, Mm. like my own, my own music. And it was just instrumental music. And I was, you know, it was actually pretty cinematic back in the day in hindsight, right? Like there was always that movie element of it with strings and piano and, you know, choirs, even though back then they sounded a lot worse, you know, it was very synthetic MIDI back in the day. Right. Now it's like MIDI has come so far. It's incredible. You can control real orchestras, right? Mm -hmm. But back then it was like, you know, you had 128 general MIDI sounds and like, that's all I had to play with. But I, I would record albums and sell them to my friends at school and, you know, for like $2, (laughs) $3, (laughs) I was just always like making music, always selling music, trying to make new albums. I always had projects I was doing. Like that was just something that became a part of my life pretty early on. You know? What kind of challenges
0: did you have music-wise growing up hmm. in an area of like Grand Rapids that's not real known for its history of lineage of music?
1: Right. Well, I I I grew up actually on the Detroit side of Michigan. Okay. And then I I moved to Grand Rapids when I was about twenty. And I went to school there. I got married there, lived there for about 10 years, you know, before I moved to Nashville. So I kind of had both sides of the state of Michigan, you know, covered. But honestly, I think, I think, uh, pretty much wherever you are, I think you could like make a splash on the music scene locally. Right. If you kind of become known as like the guy, the music guy in town, you know, people will call on you for things whenever they need music. And I think I worked really hard to try to become known like synonymously with music. So whenever anyone needed a recording or a piano player or whatever, they would call me. And, you know, that was a form of business, I guess, at an early age I was trying to establish, you know. I'm going to get to
0: the studio you have now in Nashville. Did you also build yourself a studio in Grand Rapids as well?
1: Uh, Yeah. In Well, in my basement, I I converted my basement into a studio. That was my like first actual studio that I built if you want to call it that
0: your current studio is phenomenal i'm gonna put a link in the show notes people to the youtube video the vibe the look complete with the (laughs) life-size iron man i mean it's awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i i think what's funny is i tell people this when i was like you know 12 years old and i was making those albums i was like sitting in my parents unfinished cement basement and i had my headphones on all the lights were off except for the screen of the computer in front of me and I was just, I was just working for hours all I would stay up till three, four in the morning. Like I was just, that was my, it was like a cave, right? My own cave. And so I think after all these years, it's funny. Cause now fast forward, you know, 25 years, I wanted to recreate that atmosphere that I was just comfortable in. So I was like, man, I need to make something that feels like a bat cave, <laughs> something that's dark that I can, you know, I have windows in here, but, People barely see them because I have (laughs) blackout curtains and blackout shades. And, you know, Philips Hue bulbs, you know, they'll make any space look cool. Right.
0: Speak about (laughs) the days of the Tommy Prophet band and playing in concert and touring.
1: Yeah, that's that's an era of my life that not a lot of people even know about, which is funny because for me, that was. I mean, those 12, 13 years of my life. I mean, we were traveling and touring all over the country, playing over a hundred times a year at all kinds of different places and uh, recording albums. You know, we would drive around in a 15 passenger van, pull a trailer of sound equipment, eat little Caesar's pizza, sleep in the, in the van. Like it was that kind of, you know, roughing it like passionate, like just young guys, like wanting to, you know, make something happen. And we did that for so long. And it was a blast. And then, you know, once you turn 30 and you start having kids, you know, I sleep on the floor in a van now. It's like, it would take me three weeks to recover. <laughs> from that. You know what I mean? Right. And the, the Little Caesars diet is great in your 20s, not so great in your 30s. Correct. Just kind of, you know, that was a natural progression. I think I, in hindsight, again, like the band thing, I loved it at the time, but I realized that my first love really was all along like, the producing of it. Like I would produce music to then go and share and I would produce videos to go and share. And it was always about that production stage in the studio that was like propelled by playing out. But that's like, that was my home. That was like my first love, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm very thankful that now I get to just kind of only do that. And I don't have to leave and be on the road and travel and be away from my family. You know, I have three kids now, so it's nice to just go up 12 steps to work and then come down and and be around more, you
0: know? Right. Was faking love your debut as a solo recording? artist?
1: yeah. You know, in this, I'll call it the new era, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I had albums before as an artist. And then when I switched to being a producer, I did, I do all kinds of cinematic music for TV and film, you know, like you mentioned, but like, I think my label and publisher, they were all like, what if we did something that's still your sound and cinematic? but it's a little more like mainstream, more like music, something that would work on the radio, not something for like a movie trailer, right? Like an actual song. So that's what that was, um, a debut of. And, and then COVID hit and kind of messed with some plans. But I think my plan is to eventually do more albums of music like that with different featured artists singing on it the same way, you know, these DJ producers have albums like DJ Khaled and, uh, Zed, you know what I mean? Like right. they all have albums with singers, Marin Morris or whoever, you know? And so I think I, I just, I, I don't do EDM music. So it's kind of just my own spin on that, I guess.
0: 2012, you did the parody of sexy and you know it, and you called it pregnant and I know it with your wife, Angela, your daughter McKinley. What does she think of that? Now seeing that, what does she have to be now? <laughs> 9, 10 by now?
1: She just turned 10. Yes. That video was hilarious. back in the, when that actually hit, man, that was like before, you know, all these parody videos would go viral on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Like it was like one of the first ones. So it was kind of nuts for us. We just did like, I was doing all kinds of funny videos and that one for whatever reason took off and we were on all the local news stations in Grand Rapids and good morning America, like talked about it. It was like, really insane and my poor wife like she never wants to be on video because it's like she's just really introverted and doesn't like you know the spotlight (laughs) and so that the one time she agrees to be on video of course she's like dancing on national television with a pregnant belly (laughs) and all of her friends back from high school they're all texting her like angela is that you like (laughs) it was like horrifying for her but she was a good sport i mean she thinks it's hilarious you know
0: what's your daughter think of it these days (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know I feel like I don't know I I feel like they're not my kids they they just watch it and they just think oh that's silly but I don't think they realize like that it was this big thing for you know what I mean Mm -hmm. for mom to do and it was on TV I don't think they really realize it
0: Tommy was your break from music to movie trailers in 2014 after signing with Capital and then going to that TV film songwriting camp. Was that what kicked it all off for you?
1: That was it. Actually. Yeah. I signed, I signed with capital as a writer with um, Nate who, you know, is the artist NF, we were just buddies from Michigan. Uh, we, we did some work together that got him signed, and then they kind of signed me along, you know, as well. And they were just kind of putting me in a bunch of rooms with different writers and artists and, be like, what's your strengths? What what's your weaknesses? You know, figuring me out as a musician and a writer, so they could pair me with the best, you know, mm-hmm. sessions. And randomly one day, man, they were just like, "Hey, man, you want to write for this TV film camp we have going? Like, where you get to write for t- movie trailers?" And that was like my dream come true. And they they didn't know it when they offered it, and so I just like dove in. And made a song and it landed in a Will Smith trailer a couple of months later. And that was so addicting, I think, for me, because that was my dream to see my music in a trailer. So I just pretty much poured all my energy into that ever since. It was kind of something like I always knew I wanted to do that. I just didn't know those doors would open. Mm. So as soon as I got the chance, it was like, I want this door to stay open. I'm going to, you know, full steam ahead here. And so, yeah, dude, that's been, that was probably, that's probably been, the most exciting, like huge blessing for me in my career is just having that door open and getting to make music for that genre. I guess you could say, you know, was your
0: first placement in TV screen, the TV series. Is that the first one you had for
1: television? Um, actually, no, I think online it says that, uh, my first placement ever actually was, it was you know the show Quantico that was on ABC oh yeah me and a guy named Sam Tenez, we wrote a song called Glass Heart and it was our first that was during that first tv film camp as well um we did a song and then actually five days later it got placed in the promo for that new show Quantico this was like before Quantico came out so it was like the new summer you know, show that they were promoting and it aired during the NBA finals, which was exciting for me because I watched the NBA and it ran for like three or four months promoting that show. And so it was, I kind of got to see that side of it, like the TV show promo and this movie trailer all within, you know, a couple months. And it was just, yeah, it was super cool and fun for me to experience that, you know,
0: where did the idea come from? for you decide to do the cover of Linkin Park's track in the end that you have purely got over, what, 50 billion streams worldwide. The song, people, if you haven't heard this song, A, I don't know where you've been, and B, I got to tell you, that song, for me, is addicting. I get onto that, Tommy, and it'll go on repeat. It's just something the way you did, but where did that idea come from?
1: Oh, man, that that is crazy. That's one of the craziest, most unexplainable stories of, you know, my whole life really, as far as why did that do a thing and not other things, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can't plan, but here's honestly, here's a story that not a lot of people know. Remember when they did a a power Rangers movie? Yeah. Four or five years ago, it was like live action power Rangers movie. And they asked people to make nineties covers for that movie just for the trailer. And, and I was thinking about, it. And I was like, man, I've always loved that in the end song, like by Lincoln park. I'm like, what if I did like a trailer version of it? <laughs> and I actually originally did that version or that song with NF. We oh. did a version of it in the, in the end. And then it didn't make the trailer for power Rangers, And I was like, hey, I I want to kind of put this out. And he was like, well, I don't know if I want to put this out. I was like, hey, I'll just put someone else on it, if you don't mind. He's like, yeah, just get someone. So I called my friend Flurry. She sang the chorus. And then my friend Justin, who is Young Youth is his name, he recorded, you know, the rap verses on it. And then it went nuts instantly, like this movie trailer version. But then here's the other part of it. A few months later, maybe six months later, this kid from, I think he's from Russia, uh, his names you know Melon G is his remixer name, I guess. He took the song like our master and he put hip hop drums over Flurry's chorus. And then that version also took off and went f- crazy. It went nuts online and went super viral around the world. And so those two versions just kind of they live separate, but together in a way, and that kid, you know, he was 17 years old, Melon G at the time, or something like that. He hadn't really done anything in music. You know, he was probably a kid in his basement like I was, you know. Mm-hmm. And that thing just took off like crazy. And especially that remix. That we didn't ask him to even do that. You know what I mean? He just kind of did it. But since it was our master... You know, it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to figure out a way to share this like new master that you created and just put online. Right. So we kind of, you know, we figured all that out. But now it's gone on. And like you said, it has 57 billion something around the world or whatever. (laughs) Like that's, I don't know how to comprehend that number even. It's just, you just say it and it means nothing now. You know what I mean? It's crazy.
0: I uh, played a clip this past weekend for my niece. She was asking me who I was getting ready to have in the show, and I mentioned your name. And she said, "Do I know him?" And I said, "Well, I'll guarantee you know this song." So I hit play, and she took my phone, and she goes, "Oh, that's on TikTok. That's everywhere." So
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a cr- It's one of the biggest songs on TikTok ever now, and I'm like, "What is happening?" Because I think of the 57 billion, oh, close to 50 billion of that is TikTok. Yeah. Wow. And it's $7 billion on other streaming platforms, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, it's just so bizarre to me that something would just take off like that online on or re- Instagram Reels and TikTok and all that, you know?
0: You've talked a couple of times about NF. Talk about how you guys became friends, collaborated, <clears throat> how your friendships evolved. His first four LPs debuted at number one, the Billboard Christian album chart, which is unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we were, we got his, he had a friend that was, I think his friend was in high school. um, That randomly emailed me his independent album that he recorded up in Gladwin, Michigan. And I think he just, it was like a cold email, like just, Hey, you do music and you're in Michigan. Listen to my friend. Right. It wasn't like, you know, anything more than that. And, I was traveling that same weekend when he sent it to me and I played it for my band in the car and we were all, we were all like, wow, this kid's like pretty good. Like we should, we shouldn't do something with him or whatever. So I sent him a beat and it was, it was like this cinematic beat with strings and it was really, it's, it's really bad now when we listen to it. But at the time he was like, man, this beat is so sick. I want to, you know, I'm a, this is awesome. And so we actually recorded a, a song together or he raps. And then I sang with my friend Brooke actually on the song. And then, um, we just kind of, that was like our introduction. That was probably 2010, 2011, something like that. And then we kind of stayed in touch for a few years. And then randomly he hit me up when he was going to be in town in Grand Rapids. And I had just built that studio in my basement that I told you about. So I was like, yeah, man, come see the new studio. You know, we can hang out or whatever. And we, recorded a song that night and that the song we recorded that night was called wake up, which was the song that led to him getting signed and that ended up being on his first album as well. So it was kind of, I don't know, he, he's just this super loyal guy who has a small circle, right. That works with him, And he just was adamant about continuing to work with me to the label after he got signed, which I wasn't expecting really. I was like, I kind of viewed it as like, Oh, I'm happy for my friend. I'm passing him off now to the music industry, go and do great things. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see my, I just didn't, I didn't even see myself being a part of that journey. Like I, maybe ignorance or whatever, but he was like, no man, like I want, I want us to keep working together. We work well together. And, you know, we ended up really figuring out his sound over the next two or three albums. And, you know, now, now he has, you know, five full albums, you know, we're always working on more music together. So it's, it's been an awesome journey, you know, watching your friend, you know, he's now become one of my best friends in my entire life. He's like family. You know what I mean? I, I, I I joke about this, but I'm actually like, it's actually true. (laughs) I see him more than I see my wife. Like I spend more time with him just because it's like, man, for months, sometimes it's every day, all day long, we're working in the studio. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I come down and have dinner and go to bed. It's like, I see Nate more than I see my wife, Angela, a lot of times, you know?
0: Well, the partnership is obviously working and still working. So I can see why he still wants to collaborate with you and you with him. So hopefully it continues to grow yeah. and keep going. You have spoke a few times about cinematic and you have six volumes of cinematic songs. Again, over 50 billion global mm-hmm. lifetime streams. Where did this, creativity to make these big sounds and big music come from?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really influenced by, you know, late nineties, early two thousands movie scores that I used to listen to in my car driving to school. Like I would, I would listen to like, you know, the gone in 60 seconds soundtrack and the deep blue sea soundtrack And then like Transformers with Steve Jablonski, um, Trevor, Trevor Rabin, those guys, like this was like before really Hans Zimmer was like known as he is now really, you know? Um, So I listened to some of those soundtracks, but I wasn't, I'm not like this super big score soundtrack guy. It was more like the trailer music, which is completely different, right? The movie, Mm -hmm. the music that's in the trailer, like, Immediate Music back in the day was the one group who like they did all the trailers like the first Spider-Man movie trailer ever with you know Tobey Maguire like I was what I was like what is that song and I, I found it online and like I was hooked on that kind of epic string and choir bombastic percussion hits all that stuff and so I just listened to that stuff all the time and so I guess maybe that's kind of where some of it came from but other others of other parts of it like I just always had that in me as far as like the music I was making when I was 12. Like I always just wanted it to be dramatic or emotional. You know what I mean? Like I just, I've always just liked that that it's resonated with me personally. So that's why I, I make it now. Cause I enjoy it. <laughs> you know,
0: it's one of those things where you listen to it. And then you want to listen to it again and turn it up because you need to increase the volume to get the full effect. Spe- yes. Especially if I'm in my car, for my car, I got to turn it up.
1: I would, it's so funny you say that. Cause I always wish I could tell everyone like this music, these albums, these cinematics, you know, volumes or whatever, like all of this music is meant to be listened to loud. Mm. And I wish I could like put that, you know, you, back in the day, you can put that on, on the inside of the packaging of the cover of the CD or whatever. Now it's like, you know, it's all digital. So I don't know. You put it in the title track of the song in parentheses. Listen loud at the end of it. <laughs> right. you, know? you definitely like, need to. I wish to. everyone listen at full volume. That's how, you, that's how you feel that kind of music. It's not background music.
0: No, 100% you got to feel it. <laughs> this is my story no symptoms to being diagnosed with colon cancer, which led to four surgeries and a 50-50 survival rate. It then spread to my liver in which only 3% are caught in time. Now, a 1% chance it ever comes back. And I'm on the road to inspiring everyone because you have three choices, live, Die or fight. Bernie Siegel said, no matter what the statistics say, there is always a way. To book me, Tommy Canale, to speak to your event or group, go to TommyCanally.com. That's TommyCanally.com and get ready to be inspired to inspire others because you're one day away from changing your life. Tommy, the song that you did, The Warriors, with Stephen Malcolm, has been in the Challenge, Titan Games, and All-American. Can you talk about the creativity you did on that song?
1: Yeah, me and Stephen Malcolm are both Golden State Warriors fans. And so we were like, hey, we should make a song that could maybe be used in like the playoffs or something for the Warriors. And it never was but it was, that's the, that's what I like about this stuff. It's like, you never know where it's going to go or where it could be used and it could be used more than once in different things. And so even though it wasn't used specifically for the golden state warriors, it was used, you know, in those shows that you talked about. And it's, it's actually, I think it, I think it was just used this past weekend in a UFC promo as well. So like, you know, that the song's just kind of, you know, that song is probably four years old and then, randomly someone will want to use it in some trailer or promo that you're not expecting you know what i mean so that's what's that's what's fun about it but that's that's where that came from we specifically were like let's go on the nose with it and actually call it warriors you know what i mean um so that was that was a super fun one to write great
0: track i love it how long were you working on the 2020 release of the birth of a king LP with tracks that include Oh, Holy night. What child is this? And "O oh come O oh come Emmanuel.
1: Yeah. Well, that album took me six months to make it to like record it. But I had wanted, I've, I've wanted to make a big Christmas album since 2005. Mm. It literally was on my list for 15 years. And it's actually like not wow. an exaggeration. Like actually 2005 is when I was like, I had these ideas. And actually one of the songs on there, I, I arranged back in 2005. So like, that was the first one. And I was like, man, and over the years I wrote little courses and little parts. And I knew that someday, you know, I'd figure it all out, you know, and it would all come together and I didn't know exactly what it would look like, you know, but then I actually tried to start that album every year since 2013 and I just never, I never had time. I always had too much on my plate and it would come to like November and I'd be like, Oh, so it's too late now. I'll, I'll do it next year. So for seven years, I said, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. And then finally it actually took like a worldwide quarantine for me to have time to myself where no one was coming in. You know what I mean? Like that's what happened. COVID hit. Everyone was like 30 days. No one's leaving the house. That was probably March or something. Like right. That, it was. So I was like, I'm going to start that Christmas album and I'm going to do it this month. That's what I thought. And then it turned into a much larger thing where, it, you know, it ended up being a six month project with 17 different artist collaborations. And that was probably my favorite project I've ever worked on in my life. Probably always will be just because a 15 year buildup, like there's right. nothing else brewing now like that where, you know, for 10 years I've been dreaming of something and maybe I'll get to it in another five or 10, like, That was the one big thing I wanted
0: to do. It's really good. It's another LP, listeners. When you go click on it, increase your volume a little bit, and it'll (laughs) resonate with you some more. Matter of fact, just increase the volume on any of the music that of Tommy's that you play.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Finally,
0: the song that you did in 2021, "Silent Night" with Flurry. Did that was that that a holdover from the album, or you just didn't have room to put it on, or to come the idea come back to you later?
1: No, that is, that's on the album from 2020. We just did a music video the year after. Okay. So my, my plan, you know, cause Christmas music, it's so weird, man. Like the, the listening window for Christmas is so small, right? It's short, I should say, but then it comes back every year. And so, um, my plan with that album is to just keep growing that story. So I released it in 2020 with two music videos And then last year, uh, 2021, we did three music videos. So then this year, you know, we'll do a couple more music videos. I'm planning on doing a few music videos every year for the next five years, just to keep bringing it back up. Sure. You know, I have a, I have a few other plans. I'm excited about just to keep rejuvenating the Christmas album, you know, to keep it relevant, I guess.
0: How many hours a day do you spend working on your craft?
1: Between 10 and 12.
0: I thought you were going to say 14, 15, 16 hours a day. I
1: I, I used to. Currently, I finally uh, I finally know what's, you know, I've, I've found balance, I should say, for the first time in my life, which feels good. I'm, I'm shocked to hear myself say this. Years ago, I would not think this would be possible. <laughs> but yeah, like I think, you know, I have a family, like I eat dinner with my family every night. Awesome. Get my kids down for bed every single night. Uh, I don't work weekends hardly ever now. You know, I used to though, like, you know, when we were traveling in the band, I was gone almost every weekend of the year and all summer long. And then recording all night after my other jobs or whatever, I was balancing and juggling at the time. So I feel like I, I really wanted to learn, you know, a good balance of still. I mean, ten to twelve hours Monday through Friday. Is still enough time for me to get it out, right. <laughs> whatever I have, you sure. know, to get out. But to also like respect family time and my wife and my marriage and like just you know balance overall. Get get enough sleep for the first time in my life as well. You know. You have over 250 sync
0: placements in movie trailers, TV promos, video games, every major network, plus ESPN, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, NCAA, NASCAR, Netflix, Hulu, Mountain Dew, Under Armour, Nike, and then shows like Prison Break and 24, movies like The Rookie, Hunger Games, and the list is so long. Is that surreal to you?
1: (laughs) I mean, when you put it like that, (laughs) yeah, I, it is weird. Like I don't, you know, they happen one at a time. So, you know, I don't really see that full list all the time, you know, but, um, yeah, I think it is like to this day, I'm being genuine right now. Like to this day, the most exciting thing for me as far as as a creative in the music industry is getting those emails that say, this show or this movie wants to use the song in this promo or this trailer and it airs on this date. And like watching how these different places use those songs, like that's still more exciting to me than a number one billboard album or number one top 40 radio song. Like those are just never things that I actually like s- set out to, to accomplish as goals, you know, or to, to achieve, like those just kind of happened. <laughs> So I'm thankful for those, but like really my goal and my, my dream was the the TV and film thing, which is, you know, I'm just super grateful for that. You know what I mean?
0: We've obviously found a way to continue to stay in that market. As The list keeps going. The platinum singles, the gold singles, platinum albums, gold albums, Folks, there's over 800,000 people on his YouTube channel. You got to go there. And the millions of monthly subscribers on platforms are, are across the streaming networks like Spotify. So if you haven't checked him out, there's going to be plenty of links in the show notes to do so. Tommy, you did the cover of Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol, which was used for the 400th episode of Grey's Anatomy, which is kind of weird because I don't see that song Going to Grey's Anatomy. I don't watch Grey, so I don't get it. But that song is really good. I love the song.
1: Well, that's actually what's funny about that is we, me and Flurry, who I did that song with, also she's. We do a lot of music together. The TV film stuff we've done has just worked really well, you know. And so we have a great partnership there. Um, we we're working on a project right now uh, that that song is going to be on. And so we were working on all these songs and I had finished chasing cars, like the track and the mix and all that. And I sent it to her. And the next day, Grey's Anatomy actually reached out and said, Hey, we're looking for um, covers of these songs. And they sent a list. Um, and one of the songs on the list was chasing cars. And we were like, well, that's weird. We literally just finished one yesterday. So we should throw it in the you know, throw it in the you know hat and see what happens. So we, sent that song and then they loved it and they ended up using it in the show and what I didn't know because like you I don't watch Grey's Anatomy I knew nothing about it apparently that song is like a big part of the show did you know that? No I did not I didn't, I didn't know that so I was just like oh cool it's Cards apparently that song is like tied to the show hand in hand so tightly and the show had a part in even making that song blow up I guess at the time or something I could be getting some of these details wrong but all these iconic moments throughout the show's seasons in the past death scenes and all these moments use the original chasing cars by snow patrol. And it was like this big thing. And so apparently from what I'm seeing from feedback is that this was the first time it like broke that curse of like these bad, super dramatic, horrible things happening. And it was more of like a positive, like flashback moving on kind of thing or something like that. So it resonated with Grays fans like crazy. And I didn't even know at the time that that show had any connection to the song, but that was, that was cool. That, you know, the timing literally lined up perfectly like that.
0: Have you done music for the Oscars and any of the Olympics as well? Yes. Both.
1: Both. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, I, we actually had the promo for the Oscars this year. 2022, the Oscars heard around the world, you know, the most infamous, infamous (laughs) Oscars ever. Um, they used, um, me and Nicole Serrano, she's a good friend of mine. She, we did a cover of, um, with arms wide open by Creed. Yeah. (laughs) but, But it's like a very like triumphant orchestral version. And they used that song in the Oscars promo. And then the Olympics, they've used it in some promos for the Olympics, as well as some of the athletes in the Olympics have performed to some of our songs. You know what I mean? Gymnasts and um, figure skaters, right. and stuff like that.
0: That is outstanding. Is there one person or group mm-hmm. that you want to collaborate with that
1: you haven't yet? I mean, I don't know. Maybe like, I don't think about that a lot. I, I think if I could collaborate with anyone, I, imagine dragons would be one that'd be fun. Um, you know, Justin Bieber, I think that'd be sick to do a song with him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many talented people. Like for me, it's not really about the, it's not about the artists as much like the, the, the name or, you know, their craft. It's more about like, when I collaborate with people, I think about their voices and, as instruments like the tones of them makes sense you know what i mean like for for the chris for the for the christmas album every single song on that album i i had an artist in mind when i made the track and when i made that version of the song so it tailored to like them as a voice right as an instrument and then i made it all without even asking any of them i just kind of had like them in mind and then thankfully man every single person that I originally had in mind said yes. So like we got like every one, I didn't have any op like second options or plan B's, but that's like how I view them. Like, you know, flurry, for example, has this soft whispery tone that like for some songs, no one else could do it like that. You know what I mean? And then other people, you know, these guys with these super high tenor voices and they're soaring and like, they make that song because of their tone and the music and like the way it all goes together. So like creating those moments, it's really like, I'm, I really specifically pick out voices based on, you know, even if someone's just a good singer, but like, I wouldn't know what to do with that voice maybe, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I get ideas when I hear people's voices and actually I've been getting more, more ideas from people on like, TikTok and Instagram, you know, there's so many musicians doing their thing now. Mm-hmm. I've reached out to a couple of them and we're going to collab on some stuff. And like, I hear these, some of them are like young kids at home that are so talented. They're so freaking good. And I hear their voice and I instantly think of a, a cover idea or a song idea or something. And I'm like, man, we should collaborate on something. Cause I hear it as soon as I hear their voice, you know what I mean? So that's, that's what excites me. I think the most is when I hear their voices.
0: Is it fair to say then by just what you said that you may have a small addiction to sound libraries?
1: <laughs> You've heard that somewhere I'm sure cuz I say that in almost every interview I always say sound libraries is that's my chronic addiction in life is just But man like I'll tell you like I go through so many sounds and like that's what inspires me also you know on the track side music side like going through new sounds and hearing something that will depict how I play or what melody I come up with based on the sounds you know what I mean so there was one thing I would tell people to invest in it'd it'd be sounds sound libraries
0: do you hear something or get a creative idea and go I have that from 10 years ago or 5 years ago I think this might work
1: I, I honestly don't really keep tracks around that long okay you know what I mean I usually use something or I just know I probably won't use this because because chances are what I make now is not what I would have made five years ago you know what I mean which is not what I make now won't be what I'm making in five years like just little even little tweaks that other people wouldn't notice but I would maybe so yeah I think I it's really hard to get inspired on something that's so old track wise for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like once I, once I'm making a track, I need to do something with it now or revisiting it is just going to be (laughs) kind (laughs) of dreadful. Just, that's just the way I am though.
0: From talking to you, you can hear the amount of love you have for your job, the amount of fun that you have doing what you do, but can you ever imagine not doing what you're doing?
1: No i think no no, not at all i think i think that's why i was so passionate about it all those years and like sleeping in the van and eating the pizza and you know me and my wife like man we were so poor and like you know i tell this story too like we used to um we used to wash our clothes in the bathtub to save quarters at the laundromat like we were just super like S- got like super strict on her budget, no extra money. But I was like going off and do- I had this big dream. And you know, my wife is just unbelievably amazing and supportive. And like, I remember one time she asked me like, is this like, you know, is this going somewhere? Cause this is really, <laughs> you know, she was nice about it. She was like, this is like tough and we're in it and we're doing it. But like, how long are we going to do this? Like, is it going somewhere? Is it heading somewhere? What's the plan? And, I was like, I promise you, like I have, I have a plan like this, you know, just give it some time. Like, you know, it's not, we're not always going to do our laundry in the bathtub. I promise. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I just, I could not do anything else. Like I wouldn't be able to, you know, I, I just, since I was a kid, like, you, you know, when I was seven, I got that keyboard. Like I just instantly like became so addicted to it. That's all I could ever see myself doing. And I think I would just, it's my purpose. I feel like I would feel just, you know, completely dead inside, you know, that's like who I am is the creating this stuff. And, um, now I also realize a lot of people feel that way and don't have the opportunity to do that. So every day I have a, a buddy of mine, his really good friend, his name's Daniel St. Black. He's an artist as well. And he tells me that his motto in life is, um, entitled to nothing grateful for everything. And I'm like, man, like that's, I've adopted that as well. Cause I'm like, that's how, that's like what I've been trying to say. And you so eloquently put it in six words concisely, like nothing is owed to us. Like some people are super talented and work really hard and the doors just don't open, you know? And so We're just grateful for every single opportunity we get. It could be taken away just as as much as it was given. And so we're just grateful and humble about, you know, every single TV placement or song on the radio, whatever it is, like celebrate those moments and just be grateful for them because they're not guaranteed and they won't last forever. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. Listeners go to the show notes. I'm going to put a link to his website, TommyProfit.com. It's T O M M E E dot T.com. Check out his merch. Also go check out how I made video section. And once you get on there, click around, you'll enjoy the website. Let's wrap up the show with this outside of music. What else is there in your life besides your family? I understand you may have, you have a a love of magic as well, but what else do you have that you enjoy besides music?
1: Oh man. Magic. That's funny. I dude, I used to be almost as passionate about street magic as I am music. (laughs) back when I was, you know, probably like late nineties when David Blaine was really coming on the scene. You know what I mean? Doing specials like card street magic. But honestly, like besides music, like I'm like, I just love watching movies. I love going to the movie theater. So I'm, I'm basically always in a dark room is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) I go from one dark place to another. I'm very much indoorsy as you would say. Um, I don't see the sun often. I love watching movies, being inspired by that. Um, I've been reading more lately, which has really been fun for me. I don't have tons of time to read, but I'll just read a chapter at night or something of a book or, you know, doing whatever. And that's pretty much it. Like I, I feel like I'm keeping it more simple these days, whittling down, you know what I mean? Maybe that's just what happens when you get older or, I don't know. I mean, but I just I like I just like a few things that bring me lots of joy. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your work week and your schedule and coming on the show, man. I really appreciate this.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a blast. Appreciate you having me,
0: listeners. Go follow me on Instagram at before the lights podcast and go to the website before the lights pod.com. That's before the lights pod.com. Click on the bundles tab to get yourself those bundles of the extra five. Thank you for listening to before the lights. I'm Tommy Canale. And until next time, everybody, I salute a chin chin.